welcome to Your Best You Today, the online radio show that uncovers the hidden truths and dispels the myths about food, nutrition, and exercise for anyone of any age. Every day, you make dozens of decisions that will either have a positive or negative impact on your health. Join naturopathic doctor Kevin Jackson, along with Rob Heppel, to learn how you can start making your best you today. Welcome to the Your Best You Today show. I'm your host, Rob Heppel, and join with health expert, Dr. Kevin Jackson. Dr. Kevin is a naturopathic doctor and has been helping people find natural solutions to their health issues for over 25 years. With the Your Best You Today online radio show, we're going to dive into common health issues and explore natural solutions for them. Welcome to the show, Dr. Kevin. Hey, Rob. How are you doing? Pretty good. Now, since this is our first episode of Your Best You Today, can you give us a little bit of background about your career and also about your own story of how you got into naturopathic medicine? Yeah, well, when I was 17 years old, I was struck with um, a severe form of arthritis. And I was actually, at the time, in my second year of um, pre-med, I was going to be a medical doctor. And uh, I went to my medical doctor for treatment and found that I was given a number of different pills to try and help with the inflammation and the pain I was dealing with. But nothing was working, and uh, I went you know, a number of times, and no results. And, and eventually, my doctor said to me that I was just going to have to live with this for the rest of my life. And... I was dumbfounded. I, I, I couldn't believe that. And, and so I just started searching for solutions on my own. And what I found was, uh, well, I read a book by actually a naturopathic physician back th- at that time. And he'd mentioned that diet often plays a role in inflammation and the cause of many different diseases. And just out of desperation, I started making dietary changes. And within two months, my symptoms were all gone. And I went back to my medical doctor, and he laughed and said, oh, no, that's just a, a remission period. It's going to come right back again. But it didn't come back. And then when I went back to my old diet, all the symptoms returned. And so then when I changed again and started eating the way that I'd found was a, was a potential solution, my symptoms were gone. And so I was convinced uh, that there was this cause and effect relationship between food and disease in some people. And so that led me down the path to looking for alternatives just generally for health. And so as a result, I finished my undergrad degree and eventually heard about naturopathic medicine and became a naturopathic doctor um, a few years later. And, you know, that's been my interest ever since. Great. Well, I'm sure that you've had a ton of uh, experience, success stories and things like that. So I think for, you know, since this is our, our first episode, let's just uh, start, you know, give folks like a quick little checklist of these are some simple things that they can do to, um, you know, to just get themselves on the right path. I know that, uh, you know, with our friendship over the last seven years or, and counting, um, you know, with the advice that you've given me and, and our family, we're eating a lot healthier We've uh, all lost weight. We don't have symptoms like we used to for certain ailments. So, um, but what you know, for someone who's just thinking, what um, you know, what are some of the like little things that I can change? Like you must have like you know, what are the top ten? You must have a checklist in your head. Um, you know, do you have like a top ten? Well, yeah, I mean, a top ten is probably you know a top fifty. But I mean, you know, there's there's a, a number of things that 
small things that people can do, and in some ways they can be you know fairly complicated uh, or or just little things that will make a dramatic change in their lifestyle depending on what's going on. And, and so just across the board, I mean, obviously the first thing that comes to mind is tobacco. I mean, you know, we know that uh, stopping tobacco um, is the greatest benefit to health that a person can do t- for themselves. So, you know, whatever it takes to stop tobacco, um, it doesn't matter what you do or how you do it. If, if you stop, uh, it has profound effects on your long-term health, more so than any other single thing, in fact. So, you know, that's probably the most important thing, but most people know that anyway. But, you know, maybe they'll understand that just how important that is. And if, if there's something you can do, whether that means taking medications, hypnosis, you know, acupuncture, whatever it takes, um, the more you try, the better chance you have of succeeding. Now, uh, Kev, one of the things that, you know, throughout uh, you know, our show that we're going to have here is I'm going to, like, you know, you know from the, from the everyday person just say, well, you know, like, are there, you know, how can, you know, are there other alternatives or... Can we back this off so slowly? So, um, you know, if we were talking um, cigarette smoking, is it okay for me to go from that to maybe just chewing tobacco or, or you know, um, better filters on my cigarette, or or is it just cut it out completely? Well, I mean, I think the the, the final result should be that you cut it out quickly. But if it means that you go to, you know, uh, weaker cigarettes, uh, bigger filters. Uh, Chewing tobacco, I'm, I'm not sure about that one, but you know, if I guess that brings up other thing, other issues too, with uh, oral health and absolutely, stuff like that. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. But you know, if if whatever it, if if what you're doing is leading you to uh, a net success, meaning that you end up stopping tobacco in all forms, then fantastic. Whatever it takes, that's the most important thing. Okay. Great. What about, uh, so what's number two? Well, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of possibilities that could be number two, but I mean, another first thing that really comes to mind is caffeine. You know, um, we hear so much about coffee these days. You know, the, the, there are, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Uh, you know, coffee is all around us, and we hear time and time again good things about coffee. You know, it's full of antioxidants. You should drink three or four cups a day. It, it helps mental clarity. Well, really... Coffee and caffeine are nasty um, substances that really do immense harm to our health, um, long-term and short-term. So, you know, I mean, I, without getting into the details, and we'll be doing this um, in, in subsequent shows, we'll be talking in, in more specifics, but, you know, caffeine truly is, a, you know, a very, very unhealthy thing to put in your body. And we get it not just from uh, coffee, but black tea and green tea, chocolate, Herba mate and uh, and and many of our cola drinks. So, coffee is uh, caffeine. I should say, really does do a lot of horrible things to the body that um, that cause long term uh, negative health effects, which we'll be talking more about later on. So now, so if it's stopping caffeine, do we just go to caffeine free or decaffeine like caffeine free so- soda pop or uh, decaffeinated coffee or? Well, I mean, uh, again, you know, if that helps you get to the place of uh, of getting away from it altogether, 
um, that's a plus. But, you know, decaf coffee still contains methylxanthines. It contains other chemicals which have an adverse, have ad- many adverse health effects. So getting away from coffee altogether is a good thing. However, you know, decaf black or green tea, um, there's still a lot of positives with black and green tea. So, you know, if you're drinking decaf black or green tea, I'd, I'd say you're, you're way ahead of the game. And that's actually not such a bad thing, especially if you use uh, a decaffeination method that involves water. Um, you know, there are chemicals used to decaffeinate um, uh, drinks, and th- those residues remain in the drink, and so that's not healthy. But, uh, you know, if you use uh, something, uh, decaffeination method that involves water, um, then that works very well, and that's very effective. As far as soft drinks go, you know, that's that leads to, to the second or the third most important thing that comes to my mind, um, and that's uh, getting rid of sugar. You know, so a lot of people, you know, would go to a, um, you know, a decaffeinated uh, soft drink, uh, but really it's still a ton of sugar. So, you know, your average soft drink out there, a can of it, you know, is somewhere in the neighborhood of eight to nine teaspoons of sugar. And sugar truly affects us on so many different levels in a very negative way. You know, with about a third of the population diabetic or pre-diabetic over the age of 18, you know, we really have to look at how we can change this trend because millions and millions of people are dying prematurely as a result of the effects of sugar. So sugar, you know, it's, uh, and we'll be talking about this again in depth in further programs, but, you know, uh, sugar really is a killer. It is truly white death. Hmm. Now, you know, just kind of expanding upon that, what if... Uh you know what? What about if I take a, uh, you know, diet coke, decaffeinated? Am I okay? Well, you know that that leads into another uh, area. Uh, you know, some of these uh, artificial sweeteners. You know, like aspartame or Splenda. Um, and there's a lot of uh, question marks about uh, these um, these alternatives. Um, aspartame or Equal. Uh, is uh, you know has been shown to have many deleterious side effects or health effects. Um, you know, ten percent of aspartame converts to formaldehyde in the body, and you know that that's kind of a, a nasty possibility. Is you know if you're uh, pumping yourself full of formaldehyde on a regular basis, you know you're setting yourself up to um, for a premature death on on a number of different different possibilities. So, you know, really we're talking about trying to stay away from those artificial sweeteners because Splenda, which is chlorinated glucose, so think of Javex and sugar, uh, not a good option, um, or bleach and sugar, um, really unhealthy stuff. And so Stevia is really the only thing I recommend as a sugar alternative because it's been clearly shown to be very, um, it's very sweet, but it doesn't have the, any of the side effects that are, or the negative health effects associated with sugar and things like sugar, such as honey, molasses, maple syrup, etc. Okay. Now, we kind of expanded that one to include uh, sweeteners, but uh, mm-hmm. let's, uh, let's move on to, you know, sticking to our kind of our top 10. What would be like the fourth one then? Well, something that comes to mind is, you know, we hear how bad it is to eat red meat and, uh, you know, meat generally is not healthy for us. We should be avoiding it. Well, the research shows that that's not true. You know, if you eat pasture-fed meats, uh, in other words, the, the animals are fed pasture, um, fed in a pasture on a regular basis. In other words, they're eating grass. It actually increases the, ome- the omega-3 fatty acid content, which is really good. This is the thing we find in fish that's really healthy for us. And, you know... 
it's uh, it's actually been shown that when you eat pasture-fed uh, meats such as beef, um, lamb, uh, bison, uh, it's actually very healthy for you. So you know, in a general sense, I mean, and there's always exceptions to everything, but meat isn't so bad um, if you eat it and it's pasture-fed. Okay, great. Now, um, what? Uh what do you think should be next? What should we... Well, you know, I mean, alcohol is something that we, most of us imbibe in. And, uh, you know, it it's, tends to be a, a social drink for a lot of us. Sometimes beyond that, some people use it, you know, in a more unhealthy situations where they use it as a, a stress reliever or they use it um, to sort of uh, help them forget. I mean, alcohol really does have many negative effects on our health. So, you know, I, my rule is generally to try to minimize alcohol intake, not overdo it, um, and not to especially drink every day. Some people even just have one glass of wine a day. And, you know, again, we've been told that, you know, red wine is good for us and that if we have maybe a glass or two a day, it's actually good for your health. Well, that's absolutely untrue. Um, You know, red wine has a wonderful substance in it called resveratrol. Resveratrol is a powerful antioxidant and it is great for you, but Unfortunately, the negative effects of the alcohol on our liver and our general health far exceeds the benefit of the resveratrol. So the negative effect still spills over, and as a result, alcohol is not good for us. So you're going to hear out there that it's, um, you know, red wine especially is a good thing and that we should be drinking it fairly regularly. That's absolutely untrue, and we should be minimizing our alcohol intake just for general health. So, okay, I, I need to, uh, you know, I like to partake in uh, different forms of alcohol, uh, including red wine. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, and, and these are one of the points that I just want to dig in a little bit further. So, yeah. what is, um, you know, what's acceptable? And, like, like if I have, so you said the one glass a day isn't, you know, from what other people say, you know, one glass of red wine a day is going to keep your heart healthy, but mm-hmm. you know if your if you if your liver craps out, you know you might have a healthy heart, but you know you're not uh, your dige- digestive system screwed now. So, so what like you know can is it okay to like maybe on a scale having one glass of red wine every day versus having um, you know three glasses of red wine on the weekend? or four on the weekend at one time is there is there one better than the other or like for how your body absorbs it and digests it well you know um alcohol is uh is something that uh, our body has to metabolize and it's mainly metabolized through the liver so it really depends from person to person you know if i'm treating somebody who's a diabetic then i'm trying to get them off all alcohol altogether most forms of alcohol contain sugar and that's going to negatively impact their health because they have a sugar issue. You know, for the average person out there who doesn't really have a lot of health issues, having a, an occasional drink is is not a bad thing. And, you know, my general rule is try not to, eat, to ingest it every day. Give your body a chance to recuperate when you've ingested it. Um, so my approach is that, you know, somebody who drinks one to two glasses every day is probably in worse shape than the person who has, you know, three or four glasses on the weekend or maybe even a little more, but then doesn't really drink during the week. And the reason for that is if we drink every day, 
it negatively affects our liver, and our liver never gets a chance to catch up. So you actually develop fatty liver quite quickly if you drink every single day. And fatty liver is really not a healthy place to be. And so we, w- we want to try and avoid that kind of situation. And so that's why, I mean, you know, in the ideal situation, you're probably better to never drink alcohol. But, you know, for most people, that's probably not a feasible option. Um, and so, you know, that's probably the next best thing is to try to space out your, your alcohol consumption and um, give, your, give your liver a little rest. Think about your liver. Yeah, because if you didn't give me that option, I think this would be the first and the last episode uh, for the show. Um, but uh, but now, no, Kev, you know we're, we're, we've gone through five, and um, you know, sure, I can I can live without uh, tobacco, and uh, you know that's not a big deal. Uh, I've been weaning off uh, caffeine and things like that. So, and also too with uh, with your help. Um, you know, reducing sugar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love uh, my meats and red meat, so I appreciate that. But you know, some people might be thinking, "Hey, you know, you, you know, like, what is it? You know, are we just going to drink water and and uh, you know, maybe you know, and you know, not eat any red meat?" But I, I you know, I, I'm glad you know we're halfway through our list already, and you know, we're you're giving some alternatives, and and I think too, one thing that's very important is that. You know, we don't want to like just go cold turkey on everything here. Um, you know, just knock off the things that you can do without. And uh, um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's always better to uh, instead of going cold turkey on something, replace something with something else. So if you're gonna, if you're, you know, if you have, if it's something that's social like a coffee, maybe replace it with something else. Uh, so you're still getting that social element. You're just consuming something better, like as you said, like a watered the water process decaffeinated uh, hot drink or, or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime you can, um, you know, fill in when you take something out of your diet and you fill in with something else, it makes it a lot easier. You know, the, um, you know, for example, you know, people who drink a lot of soft drinks, you know, sometimes it's very difficult to just stop drinking soft drinks. Um, there is a product out there called Zevia. I don't have any affiliation with this with this product, by the way. But uh, it, it's a it's a series of soft drink, soft drinks that sweeten with stevia, and so there's no negative effect on blood sugar whatsoever, and you still get the soft drink effect. Now they do make a cola that contains caffeine, but they also make a cola that has no caffeine in it. So there's there's always options out there if you look for them, and you know the same with the you know with the caffeine. You know if you're in if you're in your favorite coffee shop, um, as I often am with friends, you know everybody's drinking coffee. I just order the herb tea, or I'll just order some hot water with lemon. It makes me look a little bit cheap, but you know I'd sooner be not ingesting the caffeine. So so the next thing that you know I, I just just kind of comes to mind is. About multivitamins, people often ask me, you know, should I take supplements? Um, and without getting into, you know, it's again, it's a long story. We're going to be discussing this um, further on um, uh, on later episodes. But uh, I recommend that everybody take a good quality multivitamin. You know, don't overpay for it, but something that's decent quality. Um, and people say, well, why take a multivitamin? You know, the, the common, uh, you know, retort to that is, well, you know, if you eat properly, you don't need a multivitamin. But unfortunately, most people don't eat properly, you know. Plus, the quality of our food has gone down dramatically in the last 100 years. So what I say is take that multivitamin every single day 
for long-term prevention. Why? Because um, it's like a cheap insurance policy. You get all the nutrients you need every day to function optimally just in case you don't get it from your food. If you do get it from your food, you urinate it out. You, you get rid of it. So there's no way of overdoing <clears throat> that. Exactly. You know, and for a multivitamin, you can't get hurt with that. So, so you know, if you're thinking about long-term insurance for your health, I think a multivitamin is one of the greatest things a person can do. And, you know, the idea is, you know, if you take a multivitamin for a year and then you stop taking it, it didn't do anything for you. But if you are convinced, and, and you really should look into this, if you're convinced that you can take this every day for the rest of your life, and, you know, it's not a, it's not a major expense, um, you know, I think the long-term effect is very positive, and there are some good studies to show that. Okay. Is there anything, um, you know, if people are looking for a multivitamin, is there some things that they should avoid? Like, are there some bad ones out on the market? And, you know, what, like, without going through this, and as you said, we're, we'll, we'll dive into these deeper in a future, in a future show, but is there something that, you know, like a red flag, like stay, stay away from uh, multivitamins that have a, maybe a certain ingredient or something that maybe they're not as good quality as something else? Yeah, you know, I think there's definitely uh, variable qualities of, uh, of vitamins and, uh, you know, health products out there. You know, it's kind of difficult for the average person out there to know, you know, what's what's good and what's not good. I mean, you're trying to look for something that doesn't have a bunch of synthetic vitamins in it. You know, something that uh, doesn't have a bunch of fillers and chemicals and dyes in it. So when you look at the non-medicinal ingredients in a multivitamin, you really it should be natural substances or nothing else. Um, and so, yeah, generally I'd say that's that's probably what you're looking for, Rob. Okay. Um, okay, so what uh, what, are, what about number seven? Where are we at now? Well, you know, the, 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 the next thing that really comes to mind, and this is something I probably talk to probably a good 35% of all my patients about, is carbohydrate intake. And, and this is all based on the fact that so many people out there are diabetic or pre-diabetic or walking down the road to di- towards diabetes. You know, we're surrounded by carbohydrates generally. And, um, you know, for those of you not familiar with that, you know, that's starchy foods, breads, rice, pastas, um, you know, uh, grains generally, uh, really sweet fruits like bananas, um, mangoes, papaya, dry, you know, dried fruit, very sweet foods or high starch foods, uh, you know, potatoes, yams, sweet potatoes, th- those kind of things. What they do is when we ingest them, it increases our blood sugar levels. And when blood sugar levels go up, it causes our insulin levels to go up. And when insulin goes up, insulin causes a number of problems in the body. And we're going to be talking a lot about this in, in you know, future programs um, because Insulin really is our true enemy, even though, um, you know, it's, it's a lifesaver for a person with type 1 diabetes. Insulin is something that we want to try and minimize in our body to stay healthy. And we can do that by reducing our carbohydrates. And, you know, there's been a lot of press over the last 40 years about eating a low-fat diet. And we're seeing now that that is a really inappropriate approach to take to our diets. The reason is that when you cut fat out, you're only left with two other things basically to fill in. That's protein and carbohydrates. And people will only eat so many, so much protein in a day. 
So that means that if they take out fat, they increase their carbohydrate intake, typically. Carbohydrates increase our insulin levels, and insulin tells our body to store fat. So the net effect, and there's many other negative things which we'll be talking about later on on this um, program, uh, the net effect is that when you eat a lot of carbohydrates, for most people, and there's exceptions to this, but generally it increases the body's storage of fat. And, you know, many other negatives along the way, but, you know, carbohydrates we need to cut back on, eat good quality proteins, good quality fats, complex carbohydrates like vegetables um, and nuts and seeds and low sugar fruits, and it dramatically changes a person's health and long-term perspective as far as health goes. Let's uh, let's just dive into this a, a little bit more because I think this is where, you know, throughout someone's day they can make... Um, I, I always think it's been best and when you, you've given me advice. Uh, you know, I always say, well, what's the better alternative? If I'm mm-hmm. going to have this or that, what should I have, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not always cutting everything completely out. So with, um, you know... And, I think and, the last time you asked me that was what's better, alcohol or, or caffeine, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think it was, like was uh, I think I said neither, didn't I? Yeah, I you said neither. So then I had to rephrase the question of... So if I had a glass of uh, beer, a glass of wine, and a glass of uh, uh, rye in front of me, um, which one should I have? Right. I, I remember that and, one. and water wasn't included. That's right. Yeah. And your answer was? I think it was rye, actually. Yeah, that's rye. So, um, and for the people in the States, that'd be bourbon. Yeah. That's, that's okay. Um, and then going back to scale, though, like if you're not, if you're not wanting that, then you, you know, probably red, red wine and then the beer. Yeah, right, going I think generally that's I think that's where we went I, with that. Yeah, so and you know, and we're, now we're talking carbohydrates here in, yeah. in in this one. So beer is part of that. Yeah. Um, what about um, though? And it was interesting how you said, you know, if you cut if you cut out your fats, you're only left with proteins and carbs, and we never we rarely default to ingesting more protein. We don't think we should go, you know. Um, when you go into the corner store or, you know, the gas station, they, you know, they might have a little bit of protein in the, in the cooler, you know, and probably not the greatest in like deli meats and pro and pepperonis and things like that. The entire rest of the store, whether it's chips or chocolate bars or, you know, bread products are all on the carbohydrate side. Absolutely. So, you know, I can see how we're setting ourselves up for, for failure, just the way we've been marketed to it. And you know what? The meat doesn't last as long as the the potato chips, right? Yeah. So it's true. I mean, you know, Wonder Bread probably lasts about four months if you if you even if you don't refrigerate it. So yeah, I mean, you know, we we, we need to 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 move ourselves away from the carbohydrate intake, and and it's a tough thing for a lot of people because we've been told for a number of years that bread is the staff of life, and really, bread is what makes us sick most of the time. And now. A hundred years ago, though, it was okay for the bread that they made is different than the bread that we eat, or would they even need to back then? Um, you know, because that's one of the arguments, too. Well, if it was good for them who worked on the farm and, you know, they're eating their, you know, two slices of bread with their, you know, with their eggs and their bacon, and they were healthy and they all they lived to their 90s, um, you know, if we try to do the same nowadays, um, you know, probably... You know, the eggs are a little different, but, you know, if we're eating organic eggs, that's fine. Mm-hmm. If we're eating bacon from, uh, um, you know, grain-fed animals, that should be okay. But, you know, was their bread as bad then as our bread is today? No, not at all. I mean, that's a good point. You know, um, 
back then, you know, it was uh, hand-milled, non-hybridized grain. You know, I mean, the, the grains that were used 100 years ago had been around for hundreds of years, maybe thousands of years. And now we've, here in North America, we've hybridized our grains. We've changed our grains genetically on many levels. And so they're not a semblance of what they used to be. So we've got all these new things being introduced into our diet that um, our bodies have not adapted to. And as a result, I mean, that's, that's a big part of the problem, I think. But then, you know, we pour a bunch of sugar into our bread, you know, uh, whereas they didn't really do that very much back then. And, you know, bread tended to be hearty and it was thick and it was, you know, you, you had a slice of bread and that, that's all you needed. Now, you know, you know Wonder Bread, I mean, uh, you know, you could have 20 slices of that and still be hungry. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, things have changed dramatically. And, you know, it's a good point that, uh, you know, I think, unfortunately, because of, you know, we need preservatives and everything so it lasts long and, um, you know, it's got to taste good and it's, uh, it's got to be somewhat addictive. So we keep coming back for more. All these things are built into our, our foods nowadays and it's, it's playing a role certainly in our health as well, above and beyond the fact that there's, you know, a lot of carbohydrates in some of these things we're talking about. I think the great thing is, too, we're going to, you know, in future episodes, dive into these specifically, um, you know, give uh, give you as a, as the listener a chance to, um, you know, make those smart decisions when you're in the grocery store uh, looking at the shelf and, you know, what may be better, um, you know, just make the better choice. And and uh, I, I have found over my last, uh, you know, five or six years of becoming healthier, um, you know, it's not always having to like cut things out totally. It's just, you know, here are a couple choices, make the better choice. And then, you know, from there, you know, always just make the, the better choice. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's not that I'm going, you know, going hungry and, and, uh, you know, you start to in, enjoy food more because you're not having all the other related issues like the, you know, the sugar highs and the sugar lows and, and things like that. And yeah, absolutely. being sluggish by, you know, consuming too many carbs. So. Yeah, or, you know, you see your energy crashing at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, that's such an important symptom that most people overlook. And that's often to do with carbohydrate intake. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's drive on, Kev. And um, so I think we're at number eight here. Yeah, um, so, I mean, uh, you know, the the next thing that, you know, comes to mind in, on, uh, on this list would be trying to reduce the pharmaceutical medications because, you know, uh, one thing I see in my practice, uh, you know, especially seniors, they come into my office and they're on, you know, 10 to 15 medications. And, you know, when I review the medications, you know, I see where I can probably take them off maybe five of them. You know, uh, there's no good reason that they're on them. Or, you know, these, these medications are causing side effects and making the person actually more unwell. So, you know, I, I, I can prescribe medications, but I rarely do it because there are so many natural alternatives to taking medications. And sometimes we have to, you know, we have to prescribe medications. They're life-saving. But for chronic illness, almost never is there a need to prescribe a medication. And we're going to be getting into this probably in a number of episodes down the line here about how we can reduce medications um, and how we can look at what the side effects of these medications are and really how efficacious are they? Because there's a lot of evidence to show that many of these medications are not effective. And so we'll be looking at that down the line as well. Okay, great. Well, I look uh, look forward to that. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of people with... Uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're slugging back a handful of pills, you know, maybe, you know, multiple times a day. I, you know, I know that, you know, my parents, they got those little clear 
plastic things that they put all their pills in and you know and and, and it kind of runs their life and absolutely uh, you know what a you know if possible if they can be liberated from that and and actually live healthier so we'll uh we'll tackle that in more detail yeah you know my pet peeve is statin drugs um number one prescribed drug in north america 22 billion dollars in sales and really no good reason for anybody to be taking that virtually not one person should be taking that but we'll be talking more about that down in future episodes okay well, what about, uh, you know, what's the next one? We're getting close to the end of our list here. Yeah, so, uh, you know, trans fats, um, you know, the trans fats have been used predominantly in baked goods and uh, margarines, uh, processed foods for many years, many decades. Um, and there's so much evidence to show that these things are so harmful to our health. Um you know, in Canada, they've stopped, they've, they've forced um, all manufacturers to list trans fats. And as a result, a lot of the manufacturers just stopped putting trans fats in their products. Um, the trans fats are, you know, truly linked to um, many, many different health con- conditions and problems with our um, cardiovascular system, our heart, um, etc. And, you know, it's something that we really want to look for on the labels, uh, assuming that it is labeled. But uh, trans fats are uh, substances which we should never ingest. And, uh, you know, if you can keep that out of your diet, you're going to be a much healthier person for it. Now, you know, for the non-educated person, um, if you could maybe elaborate a little bit, because earlier on in, the, in uh, you know, a few minutes ago, you said, you know, it's, it's good to have more, you know, fat is okay in our diet. So what's the difference between... I guess, I don't know, healthy fat versus trans fat, or what is trans fat? Well, trans fat is a fat that's been um, often hydrogenated. So what, that means that they bubble hydrogen g- gas through the fat, and it changes it to make it a more stable fat. So that's why a lot of margarine has in the past used it, because it, it makes the margarine very stable, and so it, it stays consistent at a room temperature, for example. Now, there are many other things that happen along with, with trans fats in the, in the processing. Um, but, uh, you know, basically, you know, uh, saturated fat, um, you can't have a, a saturated fat that's a trans fat. So actually, there's some really good saturated fats out there. Even though we hear that saturated fat is bad for us, you know, coconut oil is probably the best thing you can cook with out there. And that's a saturated fat. So it's the polyunsaturated fats that can be problematic because they can become trans fats. Um, and if you heat polyunsaturated fats to too high a temperature, it can turn them into a nasty fat, and that can be quite unhealthy for you as well. So the issue is there's many good quality fats out there, the omega-3 fats being the ones that we really want to try and get more of in our diets, found in fish, um, flaxseed oil, uh, flax seeds generally, and in pasture-fed meats that we talked about before. Okay. Um, great. Well, thanks for that explanation. What about uh, what about our last one here, uh, number ten? Yeah. So w- what I was thinking about for that was um, that we need to uh, ingest more good quality protein in our diet. I think there's a. I see a lot of patients come into my office and they're deficient in protein, just not eating enough protein. Um, and I see this with a lot of um, vegans. Now, you can be a healthy vegan, but it's a very difficult thing to do because you need to get enough protein, and that can be a tough one. Um, You know, nothing wrong with being vegan. You just have to really watch out for that protein intake. So, you know, the way of figuring this out is if you multiply your weight in pounds by 0.37, 
That'll tell you how many grams of protein you should be ingesting every day just to break even with what your body burns up on a daily basis. If your body burns up all the protein that you've ingested and, um, you know, there's still um, lots of time left in the day, then it starts to cannibalize your muscle. It starts breaking down muscle and turning that into um, the amino acids that it needs to build protein in the body. So you need to have a, a minimum amount of protein every day. And, you know, we'll be talking a lot more about that down the line. And, uh, you know, good quality proteins, you know, if you're, if you're a vegan, you can use uh, protein powders. You can use, um, you know, no, uh, non-genetically modified tofu. Um, or, you know, you can use um, beans and rice. Uh, can give you and nuts and seeds all can give you good quality proteins but you know if you're not vegan then you know good quality proteins involve you know eggs preferably organic or free range uh, non-hormone um, raised eggs uh, fish preferably wild fish non-farmed um, chicken or turkey again preferably free range organic if you can and then beef pork lamb again same thing pasture fed um, organic when possible so, you know, I think um, we need to just be cognizant of the fact that we need to get a certain amount of protein into our body every day. And I think a lot of people overlook that. And, and I see this very commonly in my practice. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I think what we'll do here is we'll just, we'll, we'll kind of wrap things up. We'll just, uh, you know, whip through this list again. So, number one, uh, stop any tobacco use. Number two, stop caffeine, uh, including chocolate. Uh, dramatically reduce all forms of sugar, yeah. which is a you know which is a huge one. Um, reduce pasture pasture fed organic meats. Well, or, you, sorry, use yeah, use more re- of those and, yeah, and, and re- reduce the the grain fed meats or the yeah the regular domesticated meats. That's right. Um, we'll skip over uh, number five, which is reduce alcohol okay. intake. Yeah, uh, right. Okay, we'll but at least at least I think you said that you know it's okay to have uh, a few extra glasses on the weekend, just as long as we're not <laughs> drinking it during the week. So. Um, uh, you know, I'll go with that for this uh, for this time. Sure. Um, you know, take a good quality multivitamin. Reduce your our carb our carbohydrate intake. Mm-hmm. Uh, number seven. Uh, number eight. Reduce and if possible eliminate pharmaceutical medications. Number nine. Eliminate and, and and just a little caveat on that one. You know, don't just randomly throw off your medications. You need to have some help with this. If you have a naturopathic doctor or your um, you know medical doctor is you know, interested in helping you, you want to be monitored when you're doing this. You don't want to just suddenly stop a bunch of medications because there can be repercussions from that too. And one thing here, let's just, you know, um, as a side note too, um, you know, you as a naturopathic physician uh, are also now licensed to be able to prescribe um, medications. So pharmaceuticals, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. So you are, you know, you're seeing, you know, you're seeing things from both sides. It's just not um, you're, you're grinding, you know, you're going to say, don't do that because those guys do that. This is something that you can still prescribe. And, yeah, and I part do. of that is when you do that, you're, you're trying to wean them off that or. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, as I mentioned, Rob, you know, sometimes you need to use medications. They're life-saving. They, they can save a person from suicide. For example, antidepressants can be really helpful in people who are suicidal, but you know what? Too many people are on antidepressant medications. We need to get a lot of these people off those medications because the severe side effects and the long-term repercussions of taking these things. But it has to be done in a very systematic way. So that's why that's why I just wanted to mention about sure. the, the caveat there. No problem. Uh, number nine, eliminate trans fats from your diet. 
And number 10, make sure that you eat enough good quality protein. So that's a problem that I, that I won't have because I, like, uh, I like my protein, just making that better choice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and we've got, yeah, we've got more on, uh, I'm sure, on a list that we can cover at another oh, time. There's another 50 things I think we can talk about. Just now, one thing, though, that I, that I think would be interesting to, um, you know, to wrap up uh, this episode with, and we, we've gone on a little bit longer for this mm-hmm. first one, but I think you know, this is you know, something that when, when folks come back to, uh, to this uh, podcast show and uh, you know, kind of start at the beginning, this is just a good kind of starter. So um, please share with us, if you don't mind, uh, and obviously keeping you know, confidentially, confidentiality in check, um, what's, you know, what's a, a common occurrence that you see as a, a patient that comes into your, to your office that um, you know to them has been drastic or life changing, and and I'm not talking about just the one offs. I'm talking about something that you see over and over again. Uh, but maybe just explain, um, you know, a scenario that is similar, but you know, talk about one specific incident sure. that uh, you know where with one of these one of these ten things besides tobacco, I think tobacco is a no brainer. Right. But uh, you know, one of those just to, just to let the folks know that. You know this stuff really works, and it's not just uh, hocus pocus or um, you know some airy fairy stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, I've got you know thousands and thousands of patients, and you know um, people come in for many different problems. But I mean, I'd say that some of the most common things I see are low energy, joint pain like osteoarthritis, gastrointestinal symptoms, depression, and anxiety. Those are those are things I see frequently. Blood sugar dysregulation. But you know, a common one is people come in with osteoarthritis. In osteoarthritis, you know, the conventional approach to osteoarthritis is that it's a wear and tear disease of old age. And nothing could be further from the truth. It's a wear and tear disease, absolutely. But it's more caused by chronic inflammation due to the foods that we eat more often than not. So I have literally hundreds and hundreds of patients who had osteoarthritis who don't have it anymore because we've made the appropriate dietary changes that have reduced the inflammation in their body, allowed their body to start healing instead of constantly um, inflaming the joint. And as a result, with time, um, very often, um, the osteoarthritis heals up and it's no longer an issue. And this is, you know, people who are 30 years old and people who are 90 years old. Yeah, I was going to ask. And all the way in between. Is this like a senior's issue? But obviously it's not if if it could be 30 years old. Yeah, I mean, more often than not, I see people in their, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s plus that have osteoarthritis. But I certainly have seen people in their 30s with it. And that's less often. But, you know, it's a really common problem out there. And people just kind of think, well, you know, I'm going to have to have my hip replacement somewhere down the line. uh, And that's often not the case, especially if you can get it early. And we're going to be talking specifically about osteoarthritis in one of our um, shows in the not too distant future. Okay. Well, that's great. Is there, is there one thing that people can look at if they, you know, if they're feeling that their joints or if they've been told that they have osteoarthritis, is there something that they, you know, is there one main culprit that they should identify? Well, I, w- I wouldn't say there's one main culprit, but, you know, I mean, anything that promotes inflammation, and, and for a lot of people that's a, a new approach because mo- many people don't realize that food or diet plays a role in inflammation when, in fact, it's probably one of the biggest things that causes inflammation in the body. So it's a matter of kind of assessing what, what it is that's promoting that inflammation. And we're going to be talking about some of the causes of inflammation um, in one of our um, 
shows uh, in the next uh, couple of shows, I think we'll be talking about that. So, yeah, I think it's probably, it's hard to say that there's one specific culprit, um, but inflammation is certainly the player, and we just have to look at what are some of the common causes of that. Well, that's great. Well, Kev, this has been great. I uh, I really appreciate it. I learn something uh, every time we chat, and I, I think that's why, you know, I really wanted to, uh, you know, you know, get you uh, kind of on the internet airwaves here and uh, share your knowledge, share your story, and um, you know, just help a lot of people out here. You can only help so many people in your local practice. It's true, but uh, you know, this way you can reach uh, other people uh, through uh, yeah through the internet, through their um, you know through this podcast and iTunes, etc. Yeah, the more the merrier. You know, and and if this can help one person who can maybe pass this on to somebody else and help them, um, then it's all worth it. Well, that's great. Well, uh, we'd like to thank you for listening to the Your Best You Today show. And, uh, you know, check back soon for another episode where we're going to be diving into deeper to some of these other specific ones. Also, to feel free to send us any questions or health-related issues that you may have. And uh, just send an email to questions at yourbestyoutoday.com. And uh, Dr. Kevin will answer them for you. On behalf of Dr. Kevin Jackson, this is Robin Heppel. This has been another episode of Your Best You Today with Dr. Kevin Jackson and Rob Heppel, where they tackle nutritional topics so that you can become your best you today. To ask a question or leave a comment, visit the website at www.yourbestyoutoday.com. Make sure that you never miss another episode by subscribing to this podcast for free on iTunes.